0: Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21
1: We covered a lot of topics that morning when Brenda sat down with the quilt her mother had sewn for her grandson, from the charmed and easy tumbling blocks of Big Joe's childhood all the way to his current ministry. We also explored many of the sides and corners of the tumbling blocks that make up Brenda's own quilt. Her take on the topic of football was surprising to me. Brenda seemed uncomfortable when discussing the game, and at a deeper level, like she had come to resent the game that had promised her son so much at such a young age.
2: You kind of learn in your experience that I would give that advice to parents that you should check it out yourself, and that I don't necessarily think that once you get to that level that they necessarily have the welfare of your being in mind that it's maybe um, more the welfare of the team and winning versus your personal welfare today i'm not sure if i would recommend to people or not to let their children play football just because of the injuries and stuff that joe sustained
3: in the college level especially there was this pressure you do whatever you have to do to be on the field You know, you take shots in your joints. If you have to take pills, you take pills, you know, and and that's kind of what this athlete warrior does. But then to be perfectly honest, I think they're in a hard spot too because, you know, there was times where I had been hurt or had injuries and that where I shouldn't have been practicing. I shouldn't have been playing. I, I should have been trying to get that healed, but I was lying to the trainers i wasn't telling them about it I, you know because i wanted to be out there too so the athlete isn't going to stop himself somebody needs to be there to stop them from hurting themselves the coaches aren't going to be that person because the coach's job relies around that person being on the field and them winning games so it's kind of this perfect storm
1: early on i had made an assumption about big joe I had assumed he was using the bus to get to pastor's school instead of driving because of his missing arm, but one morning, as we stood together in front of his house, waiting for a ride to his doctor's appointment, he explained my assumption had been mistaken.
3: It doesn't have to do with anything to do with the arm, it has to do with the epilepsy. I think it was actually from like concussions from football, I mean, I remember playing in one game and, and I hit a guy and, and, and like the rest of the game like I was like kind of seeing double like, I'd look up at the scoreboard, and I, like, I couldn't read the scoreboard. Like, I felt like I was going to puke. I fell asleep at halftime. It was kind of weird. You know, even the trainer, he's, like, came in and asked me. He's, like, what's wrong? And I'm, like, what do you mean? He's, like, you were sleeping at halftime. I'm, like, oh, I don't know. And he's, like, okay. And we're walking back out to the field. He's, like, uh, what are you doing right now? And I'm, like, playing football. He's, like, okay. He's, like, what's your mom's name? I'm, like, hmm. And if you ask me one other thing, like okay, you can play.
1: A youth football player can experience up to 1,500 blows to the head over the course of a single season, and every youth football player in the country has at least a 75 percent chance of suffering a concussion. Once the first concussion occurs, the odds of suffering a second concussion are immediately increased six times over. The CDC also states concussions can negatively affect long term brain health.
3: yeah, I found out that I was having these epileptic seizures from you know brain trauma, so I think going back like I had some i didn't really know about, I kind of knew something happened I didn't know that it was exactly a seizure, and then when I got sick and I was going through you know that five year period where I was having all the surgeries and that like I started having seizures.
1: Epilepsy causes seizures, which are uncontrolled electrical disturbances in the brain.
3: There was one time that I had one. I know, like, looking back. And and I was afraid to, like, (laughs) go tell anybody because, you know, of what I was doing. Especially, like, the team doctors and stuff. I was in this room, living room, and, and there was, like, you know, four or five of us, and we were smoking a blunt. And then I got up and Went to give it to the other guy across the room, and I was standing there and and had a seizure, (laughs) you know, looking back at it. I fell down, I was like shaking, and I woke up on the ground.
1: The epilepsy wouldn't even be diagnosed by a medical professional until years after Big Joe's football career had ended.
3: So I went one morning to the, I walked over to Albertson's to get a Gatorade, and I guess I like collapsed in the parking lot, and they found me.
1: How can you blame brenda for having hard feelings toward the game of football jesus had found her son in a dark pit filled with disappointment and pain and when joe was descending down into it football had only grabbed a shovel and dug deeper
2: yeah football i'm kind of glad that one's gone
1: but once you get beyond that layer of resentment It's clear that Brenda still finds a purpose in the tumbling blocks that were sown during this season of her son's life.
2: I think it made him what he is. Like the building blocks back to like where I start with this. You know, it's like all those things, all those experiences are the sum of who he is.
0: I'm associate producer Morris Chestnut. Welcome to episode three of GFC Productions presentation of Jesus and Big Joe.
3: My first game in college was against Penn State in the kickoff classic. And I remember flying out and playing in New Jersey in front of 90,000 people, my first college game. That was pretty amazing. And and we beat them. And then I think we beat Colorado and somebody else. And we're like number five in the nation at that point.
1: At 3-0, USC's blue chip recruiting class had seemingly plugged all the holes that led to those close losses last season. The grand vision Big Joe had when he signed his letter of intent to play for USC was quickly becoming a reality.
3: Yeah, we were, I think, number five in the nation at that point.
1: But then, everything unraveled.
3: And then the season just, it, it went off the tracks, you know, it just, it got bad. We started losing, and we ended up not even making a bowl game, and Hackett
1: got fired. USC would finish 2-6 and six in Pac-10 conference play that year bad enough for last place.
0: Next, the man who had told Joe he was the cornerstone of the foundation for a national championship was shown the door.
1: The trajectory of Big Joe's season mirrored the trajectory of the team. Remember that Florida bowl? Remember six foot two, 325 pound Vince Wilfork?
3: I think it was like a couple of weeks before training camp started at USC. And we played that, the game was great, we won. I had a great game, and and I got home, and, and I took another shower, and, and I bent over to, to grab the shampoo, and, and and my back went up. I couldn't stand back up. And so, you know, I kind of crawled into bed, and, and it was like that for, you know, four or five days. I went up to USC, got some therapy, and I was able to, you know, participate in training camp. And made it all the way through that.
1: ESPN Magazine's preseason write-up for USC had said that as a true freshman, Big Joe could stake his claim as a starting offensive tackle. Instead, the season hadn't even begun, and he was already playing through multiple significant injuries.
3: Yeah, my back bothered me the whole time, and I was just going to keep playing, and and I did it as, as long as I could until the trainers finally told me that it was getting bad where I couldn't move very well and kind of putting me in danger at times out there and uh, so they they
1: made me stop playing big joe was sent to usc's back specialist the diagnosis was quote
0: degenerative disc disease at multiple levels a mild disc bulge and constriction of nerve root canals
1: all complicated medical terms and all as bad as they sound and he's like you know
3: surgically if i were to try to fix this I would have to fuse these two vertebrae together. And if I do that right now, there's a 25% chance you'll never walk
1: again. They decided to go in a different direction.
3: And so what we did was he gave me a bunch of epidural shots and I just did a whole bunch of therapy on it, a whole bunch of ab and core work. And I was able after that, you know, it didn't bother me too much for a while.
1: Between us, I don't believe his back was ever the same. And the truth was, and what only a handful of people knew was, by that point, Big Joe had already become used to playing through injuries. He'd done it for nearly his entire high school career.
3: You know, I, I had hurt my shoulder my sophomore year, and, and it was just a minor injury, and I just never really got it fixed, and, and it wasn't that bad. I didn't really notice it playing football at all. It was at practice, actually, and I remember, like, falling on it and it hurting, and maybe a week or two later, like, I had to miss a couple weeks of the season.
1: While Big Joe might not have noticed his shoulder issues while he was dominating the high school competition, I had to wonder how it was possible for the staff around the team not to notice the red flags.
3: There was some things I couldn't do weightlifting. You know, I couldn't do, like, a flat bench with the bar. I had to use the dumbbells.
1: Any player that participates in the high school or college training camp or at the NFL's combine has to perform the bench press with the bar. And at the age of 16, Big Joe couldn't do it. His shoulder would dislocate if he tried.
4: So you pointed out earlier that the shoulder joint has a lot of mobility. And it does. But the constraints on the shoulder are soft tissue constraints, ligaments, for example. And in an injury, sometimes those supporting structures are torn and the shoulder pops out of place. So you put the shoulder back in place, and sometimes you try and repair those structures or sometimes they can repair on their own, but sometimes they stretch out. So you've got chronic instability. So that means it takes less trauma to pop the shoulder out so that eventually you know, there are people that can just pop their shoulders out at will. And then the younger you are, the more likely it is that it'll dislocate again. You know, it's, it's hard. And his sport, I mean, is terrible for that. That's one of the more violent sports that you can participate in. So I think he was uh, in a bad spot
1: at 16 big joe's fate had been etched in stone his right shoulder was destined for major surgery but no one wanted to acknowledge this elephant standing in the middle of the room people just kept walking around it or under it as if it weren't there at all so he found ways to stay on the field
3: there's that that carrot of making it to the nfl being famous having all of the the stuff that goes with that and and so you want to be on the field to be able to do that. I remember all the way back to my junior year at Servite, I hurt my knee, I had a knee surgery, and I had uh Vicodin for the first time. And I took those and I thought that they were great. And so almost every game after that, I would take them. When we got to USC, it was the same thing where it was the the university's doing everything they can to keep us on the practice field, and all of that. But then at the same time, we wanted to be out there, and I think uh, a big part of it is the, the way that people, athletes, in that are, are wired. Especially really good athletes, I think a lot of them have a, a real kind of addictive personality. They're addicted to the that moment of of the win or the victory or the you know, the uh, attention they get for winning.
1: We all have these little chemical receptors in our brains. Think of them like keyholes. Our bodies also naturally produce the little chemical keys called endorphins that fit perfectly into the keyholes in our brains. When we make the perfect block that leads to the game winning touchdown, our bodies send those little endorphin keys to the keyholes in our brains. Once the endorphins are in the receptors, we get that natural high that we've all felt before. For many athletes, it's in those fleeting moments of euphoria that their identity is validated.
3: I think that's really where the downfall of me started to happen was I um I started to become really proud and, and really dug it up and I started to have almost like this like persona. And I really started to think a whole lot about myself and and that was about the time that I, I denied, you know, that that there was a God. And I didn't know the difference between Catholicism and Christian. And and so I just said, you know what, there is no God. And and and, and it just all became about me.
2: The sin that
1: promised joy and life and led me to. USC's medical staff focused on rehabbing his back so the team could have their prized recruit back for the sophomore season. But in what became a pattern, if it wasn't one injury, it was another for Big Joe. No matter how hard he fought to stop the threads of his vision from unraveling, something was always there, preventing those tumbling blocks from being finished.
3: I got diagnosed with having mononucleosis. I had to isolate myself from the football team even. At that point, like football was my life. Football was, from a, a Christian point of view, an idol to me, it was who I was. And, and all of a sudden, that was taken away.
1: Over time, the hollowed ground of the church pew had been replaced by the green grass of the football field, the church hymns by the roar of the 90,000 fans.
2: And so his whole identity was wrapped up around sports, basically, which is really sad. I mean, for me as a parent, I don't think I'm proud of that.
3: I couldn't play football. And I struggled because I, I wasn't experiencing the, the highs from playing football and, and really finding that, that fulfillment in life.
1: Sick with the contagious virus and separated from the team, Joe had been evicted from his hallowed ground.
3: And so I got even more into hanging out with my friends that were just students that, you know, were smoking a lot of weed and doing ecstasy and stuff like that. And kind of started getting into that lifestyle too much.
1: Then USC would announce the new head coach and endorphins would soon be flooding brains across the entire USC campus. Everyone was saying, who's Pete Carroll? Southern California turned to Carroll late this afternoon, naming him as their new head football coach. Despite a year of injuries and some foolish off-the-field decisions as a freshman, Joe was still one year out from being widely considered the best high school lineman in the country, and he was determined to return to his hallowed ground and to reclaim his identity.
3: Then going in after that, I I was just, I I really wanted to play, and I I worked my butt off that off-season. And I came in in just amazing shape. You know, going into my sophomore year, I was in incredible shape. And I was starting and, you know, I was dominating in training
1: camp. For the briefest of moments, the vision of his future that had been blurred by injuries was back in focus. But there was always that something. Going back to, uh, you know, your shoulder and the issues with bench press and things like that, were you having any issues at USC yeah. with your shoulder, or was you know it
3: just- I was it was bothering me, you know, and and it was it was popping out a lot more and more, and I knew at some point I was going to need to get it fixed, but after my freshman year, with not being able to play because of my knee, I just wanted to play, and so you know I I told the strength coaches and they knew about it, and I'm like i I told them like you better not tell the trainers, you know I I want to play and and. And I worked really hard in the weight room and and so you know they were kind of cool with it and And I remember the very first practice I go out there, and I'm blocking a guy and and I came off and like I fell down, and I hit my knee, and I knew something was wrong. I played through it and and that's why we had to shave the bones down and that'cause they had gotten so messed up from grinding on each
1: other. Big Joe can't hide the desperation on his face as he discusses this season of his life. It's as if every day he wasn't on the football field. Every day he wasn't competing on his hallowed ground. He could see the threads of the future he had wanted so badly unraveling before his eyes.
3: take me and look at my knee and I had torn my knee all up. So I went and had surgery on my
1: knee. Brenda's scrapbook began to change over these years of her son's life. As I turned the pages, the custom trims and colorful borders slowly disappeared. Instead of articles being extracted from newspapers with surgical precision, entire sports sections would just be folded and tucked into the back cover. Instead of describing her son's dominance on the field, these folded-up papers often only contained a single-sentence injury update.
0: McGuire Surgery Puts USC in a Bind, reads one of the headlines.
1: Maybe deep down, Big Joe knew his physical breakdown was inevitable. Maybe deep down, he already knew his idol had lied to him. Maybe he just liked having a good time a little too much. Whatever it was, it wasn't just the medical challenges that were keeping him off the field.
3: It was really frustrating to me. Uh, You know, I think I was the, the best lineman we had. Definitely the most athletic and gifted. But it was some of the the stuff carrying over from the the off-the-field issues and, and some of that stuff was keeping me really from playing.
1: But when it came to Big Joe's health, finally, nearly three years into his collegiate career, the elephant in the room was acknowledged.
3: It was really bad. It was where it was, you know, popping out three, four, five times a day.
1: Big Joe was diagnosed with chronic instability. They tried the conservative route first a minimally invasive laser procedure.
3: And so we did that and that didn't work. And then a few months later, we went in and did the full reconstruction where they cut me open in the back.
1: To stop the dislocations, the surgeon would install five, quote, anchors into Joe's shoulder. It was a major surgery, but the results looked promising.
3: And that was going great. I was like way ahead of schedule as far as rehab. And I remember it was like the first or second day of training camp and, and, and the running back, he fumbled a couple of times. And so Pete Carroll, he did the thing, kind of like the, that movie, The Program.
0: Goal 13! Most of my players are farm boys. Or they're from the inner cities. Football is their deliverance from face the pain and survive the program rated R.
1: In the movie, the freshman running back has a fumbling problem. The coach tries to solve it by giving him a football and telling him to carry it around campus every minute of every day.
0: See now this is a football. I want you to carry this with you always, never let it out of your sight.
1: And then tells the entire team to try to knock it loose whenever they see him. During class, One of his teammates sneaks up from behind and pokes the ball free. Chaos ensues. Ironically, USC's freshman running back had a fumbling problem that year, too. So during a film session, in an auditorium packed with some of the biggest and strongest collegiate athletes in the country, Pete Carroll addressed the problem
3: came out and he's like this is the rookie ball if anybody brings this back to me other than one of the freshmen you know they're gonna have hell to pay yada 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 and and then he gave it to the running back and and we're in this big auditorium and and I'm sitting here in like the third or fourth row and and the running back was sitting immediately to my left and then there was an open seat to my right where I kind of had my arm resting about 10-15 minutes after Coach Carroll gave the, the ball to that running back. Someone reached from behind and tapped the ball out of his hand, hand, arm and it flew over me and landed in the empty seat. And people thought it was like like the, the, the Super Bowl. Everybody was diving for it. It was, it was pandemonium. And, and someone diving for the ball, reaching for it, grabbed my arm on accident and, and pulled on my arm and, and ripped that whole surgery out, ripped all the screws out. So then they had to go back and, and, and redo that surgery. I just sat there. I, I didn't say anything for, for actually a couple of days. And then I, I told the trainer, I was like, look, this happened. And then he talked to, to Carol and told him. And then, you know, I ran into him in the hallway and he was like, yeah. He's like, I'm so sorry that happened. I feel horrible. He's like, yeah, if you want to go home, you could go home. So I went home and uh, never went to another practice again.
1: I pulled the program for USC's game versus Cal Berkeley that year. I could see that the years of physical setbacks and emotional letdowns had taken their toll on Big Joe. The innocent smile and infectious spark of his youth were gone. If I could see anything in his eyes, it was only the exhaustion of a young man who'd spent years trying to hold back an avalanche.
3: You know, my arm was messed up. It, I hadn't really played in a few years. It really, you know, you look at my career at USC and all the injuries and how much I missed because of injuries, it was just, I knew, you know, it was going to be a long shot to be able to come back and play again and, and be successful at it.
1: USC finished with a Pac-10 record of 7-1 and that year, and the team went on to beat the University of Iowa 38-17 to in the Orange Bowl. USC finished the season as the number one ranked college football team in the country. And for reasons I still can't fathom, USC's medical staff chose to wait until the team was reaching its peak to break the inevitable news to Big Joe.
3: Yeah, so I I had talked to the doctor and he told me he probably shouldn't play anymore. And that was why we were in Miami for the Orange Bowl. And then I remember I, I ran into Pete Carroll on the campus. And and he just asked me, he's like, Hey, have you been thinking about that at all? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I I think I'm ready to make a decision. And probably a few weeks later, I just went up into his office and signed the paperwork. and, And that was that.
1: The last headline of the last article tucked behind the last page of Brenda's scrapbook reads
0: Palmer pauses for trophy
1: debut, buried deep in this article in a small section labeled notes, was the last media coverage Big Joe ever received as a football player.
0: Offensive lineman Joe McGuire, who was injured much of his USC career, said he won't play again because of ligament damage in his right shoulder. It's probably a good idea for him. Coach Carroll told the paper. He's already been through so much.
3: And it was really hard seeing, you know, my dream being fulfilled and my friends. I was happy for them. But at the same time, I was jealous and didn't understand why. And it was just hard seeing that and and then they started to get really good that's when they started winning national championships and the first year like i think the the first probably 6 months after i think i probably got drunk every single day
0: Next week on episode four of GFC Productions' presentation of Jesus and Big Joe.
3: I wanted nothing to do with God. I didn't believe that God existed.
2: He was so angry in the beginning. He was angry about the circumstances of like what was happening to him.
4: I look at all the crap I've put in my lungs bro. over the years. It's all the dope I've smoked all the coke I smoked. He's got a very, very addictive personality, and so do I, so I guess that's why we clicked a little bit.
1: One thing that I think many churches don't talk about today is uh, a Christian is promised suffering. I knew he had this many surgeries um, because he's told me, but when you see it in a list, it's just like, how does a person go through this?
0: Jesus and Big Joe is brought to you by GFC Productions. For updates, behind the scenes content, and special offers, follow GFC Productions on Facebook and Instagram at, at Jesus and Big Joe and on Twitter at, at Jesus and Big Joe. I'm Morris Chestnut, the associate producer. The producer and writer is Kyle Hogan. Be sure to subscribe to Jesus and Big Joe on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Become eligible for giveaways of exclusive merchandise like gear signed by me, associate producer Morris Chestnut, by leaving a review of Jesus and Big Joe on one of the podcast platforms and emailing a screenshot of it to Promotions at protonmail.com. Only reviews left within three weeks of the original launch date are eligible. The score for Jesus and Big Joe is performed by Aaron Hill. All I Have is Christ, originally written by Jordan Kaufman, Copyright 2008. Sovereign Grace Praise BMI. Sovereign Grace Music is a division of Sovereign Grace Churches, all rights reserved. The song was used by permission. Administrated worldwide at www.capitalcmgpublishing.com. Excluding the UK, which is administrated by Integrity Music, part of the David C. Cook family. You can visit Sovereign Grace Music at www.sovereigngracemusic.com. Audio editing, mixing, and mastering was done by Resonate Recordings. Visit GFC Productions' website at www.gfclife.com and subscribe to their email list for updates, information, discounts, deals, and more. A special thank you to Calvary Chapel, Sovereign Grace Music, the McGuire family, and everyone who made it possible to tell the story of Jesus and Big Joe.